Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schneck. Today promises to be a very important conversation. We'll be speaking with a gentleman who's got quite a story to tell and has learned an awful lot of lessons through his life that he's applying now and applying to us and sharing some time with us today to talk about that and how we can all become better leaders and better serve our organizations and the people around us. Going to be a very, very important conversation. Let's say hello to my guest. His name is Colonel Lee Ellis, Air Force retired. Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Todd. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. You're also, uh, as I said, United States Air Force retired, an author, a speaker, and the founder and president of Leadership Freedom LLC. So again, Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. And I see you're in a lot of the space that I really enjoy. Well, I think we have a lot in common and we like to serve the same kind of humanity. So I think uh, this will be a, a great conversation. I'm very much looking forward to listening to you and learning from you. And I know our audience is obviously going to get some benefit from some of the lessons that you've learned and how you are applying those in your day-to-day work. Uh, we're here principally to talk about your new book, Engage with Honor, Building a Culture of Courageous Accountability. Before we do that, though, Lee, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Well, I've changed a lot in my life. I grew up on a farm in North Georgia, over near Athens, Georgia, where the University of Georgia is located. But I'd always wanted to fly. I always knew I was going to go to college, and I was in pre-med until I got my pilot slot in Air Force ROTC, and I went right over and changed my major to history. And from then on, I majored in, really, the Air Force, and that was what I was headed to do. Three days after I graduated from college, I entered flight school. Fifty-three weeks later, I had my wings, and this was August of 1966. The war in Vietnam was building up, and so they needed pilots over there, and my orders came out, F-4 Phantom pipeline Southeast Asia, which meant as quick as they could get me combat qualified, I'd be headed to the war. And in the summer of 1967, about 10 months later, I was actually over in Vietnam and actually began flying combat missions. That led to my big event, which was about halfway through my tour over there. I had 53 missions, and I was shot down and captured over North Vietnam. Mm. Mm, yeah. Well, it goes without saying, uh, Lee, uh, but on behalf of myself and all of us at Intrepid Media, and frankly, all of us listening, that we're so grateful for you sacrificing your service. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Well, let's get to it. So, so the new book, Engage with Honor, Building a Culture of Courageous Accountability. So let me lead it off this way. This is a question I always ask my guests who write a book on a subject such as this. Did the world need another book on how to build a business culture? You know, I think so, because we read books. I read, I've got a stack of 20 books here, business books I've read, and I've learned something from every one of them. In fact, these are the books I quoted in my book. I pulled out a key nugget out of each one of these, and I'm looking at this big stack. You know, it goes from Jim Collins to the true north of uh, Bill George and all the way down to some Navy SEALs books. I I think we need to be stimulated 
to think in different ways from time to time. And a lot of times what we're learning is something we already knew. I mean, it's all out there pretty much, but we're seeing it and hearing it from a different perspective. And it may be just a perspective that we needed to hear to actually go implement it. We've known that before. We've implemented a little bit, but now we need that push. And that's why we read. You know, all great leaders read a lot. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother conversation we could have. I, I think most mm-hmm. people listening are not reading enough, and and uh, that's been a lifelong mission of mine to try to get people more engaged with reading materials such as this. I think why your book's so important is this idea of of honor, and and I mean the, the again the book's called Engage with Honor. I don't think there is enough honor in business and, and in the workplace. And I don't even really think, Lee, that most people even understand what that really means. I, I think there's a lot of people that if you were to ask, is your management, are your leaders in your organization, are they honorable leaders? And and I think a lot of them might answer, I think so, but I don't know that they really know. Can you walk us through what you mean by being an honorable leader? Yes, I will. I think to be honorable means that you're doing what you know to be right, what your duty is, what your responsibilities are, what you've committed to do, what you're expected to do in your role. And as a leader, as a person who works in an organization, you're doing those things that you should be doing and avoiding doing those things that you should not be doing. Well, at the highest level, that could be the laws of the land. It could be professional ethics. It could be company policy. It could be the cultural policies, the values of your organization. It could be your own personal values. So there are many areas and points of entry here into this whole idea of honor. And that's what makes it so difficult because, you know, our brains are wired up to take shortcuts. I talked about this in the book based on some research. It was in the Harvard Business Review that – We like habits. We like to take shortcuts because it's a lot of work for our brain. And what I've learned is that to do the honorable thing, usually it's a lot harder. It's extra work. It means a lot of courage and commitment in order to do the the honorable thing because it means means we have to take risk. It means we have to put ourselves in situations where we have to do the hard thing over and over again. And that's just – it's difficult. So – Yes, everyone's going to say we, we generally have good people. Or if you if I ask an audience when I'm speaking, everybody in here who thinks you are, have good character and are an honorable person, raise your hand. Well, you know, I'm going to get 99% of the hands in the air. <laughs> and that's okay because we are. But at the same time, if we don't struggle with that, we won't, able, we won't be able to live up to it. What's the bigger problem with people, ah, just human beings in general? I mean, are we, because it's my contention that most of us don't act honorably. Is it because we are purposely acting dishonorably or is it because we just don't know any better? I mean, I, 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 I'm looking out of my window or looking in the city of Chicago and there's dozens and dozens and dozens of really tall corporate office buildings with thousands and thousands of people working. I, I don't think they, they have not experienced life like Colonel Lee Ellis had and hadn't gone through those most amazing traumatic experiences like being a prisoner of war to learn some of these lessons in the cauldron of, of 
the depths of, of war and, and what that all that means. And, and I want to ask you in a minute how you learn those lessons from, from your captivity. But I, do you, I just I worry that most people, they're never going to experience anything like that. Can we, is this something we can actually become? Can we become honorable? I think we can, but it takes a deep personal commitment because, again, it takes the the commitment, the courage. You can say, well, I have good character. I, I want to do this. I want to live up to this certain standards. But without courage and commitment, you will not be able to do it. You know, there's another quote in the book. It comes from Solzhenitsyn, who spent many years in the Russian political prison, the Gulag Archipelago book, if you remember him. Mm. And he said, laying there in that prison, it finally occurred because I was filled with anger and hatred and, you know, at these people. And then one day it hit me that, you know, the 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 line that separates good and evil doesn't run just through states or political parties. It runs through the heart of every human being. So that's, in, in reality, the struggle that we're in here is that we all have some, in our DNA, we all have some parts that will take us off course to be selfish rather than to be a servant leader and to t- think about others and to do what's right, we will take shortcuts to take care of ourselves at the expense of others. And that is where the real problem comes in. It just takes a real deep commitment and to a lot of self-analysis and guarding your character. You have to be proactive. Well, the way you phrased it, I've seen you say this, where you have to engage with courage, commitment, and caring concern versus the other angle, which is you know, motivating by fear, intimidation, or self-preservation, and that's that sums up the difference between what most of us are doing and the Lee Ellis philosophy. This idea of self-preservation, I, I don't think people realize. I think they think, well, look, everyone tells me I should be taking care of myself first and, and, and being my best self then enables me to better serve others. But I think people take the approach of self-preservation differently than they should. Walk through what you mean by this, uh, where self-preservation can be a negative here. Yeah, well, self-preservation is like a two- or three-year-old, you know. it's mm. If I touch it, it's mine. If I see it, it's mine. Whatever I want is mine. As we grow older mature, we have to learn to share with the world and uh, the people around us. Now, looking at it from a leadership perspective, you know, if you really want to be an influential leader and have that kind of influential power, rather than using the hammer and using strength, which is not going to work very well anymore in today's world, I right. can tell you, right. is to influence people by having them be inspired by you and wanting to be like you, then you have to be a person who is secure in yourself and able to give away encouragement, give away responsibility and authority. And do that with a, in a trusting way with others, knowing that sometimes they will let you down and sometimes they will make you look bad. But you have to take those risks when you're a leader. But if you're the kind of leader who can believe in yourself first and know yourself and then believe in others, that is so powerful. And people are looking for someone like that to follow. They don't trust the power leaders. They may put up with them, but they don't trust them, and they don't trust the self-centered leaders. They don't trust the insecure leaders, but they will trust a leader who's not perfect and who was able to be vulnerable and imperfect with them, but who takes responsibility for that imperfection. Mm, Absolutely. All right. When we come back from the break, Colonel Lee Ellis will walk us through what we can learn from his experience as a POW and how that applies to modern business and life. We'll be right back. In today's workplace, business leaders face significant pressure to recruit and retain the best employees. To effectively build a team, 
to create a culture that is healthy, productive, and dynamic, and to empower their staff in managing stress and finding balance. And behind all those pressures is one goal, to strengthen and grow the business. And too many organizations struggle with this. Unlimited Coaching Solutions provides customized strategies and training to help reach your goals and take your teams to the next level. Call them today at 585-248-9322 or find them online at unlimitedcoaching.com. All right, I am back with Colonel Lee Ellis, United States Air Force retired and author, speaker, and founder and president of Leadership Freedom LLC. All right, so Lee, right before the break, I indicated that we would start the second half of the show with you walking us through what we can learn from your experience as a POW and, and how that really developed your philosophy towards honorable leadership. So walk us through that. The thing that I looked back after years of being at home and being a leader in various levels of responsibility, I could see so plainly that most of my ideas about leadership that I really was committed to, I learned in the POW camp because it was there in that uh, crucible where the leaders had no perks, no good deals, no benefits, and more torture, more isolation, more humiliation than everybody else, but yet they kept on leading honorably in every way, trying to do their duty. When they were tortured, they bounced back and took back command and just marched ahead. And it was such an amazing thing that it just got my attention, and I said, okay, what was special about that? And then as I looked at my own life, I could see that those were the things that really worked well for me. And then when I, as a leadership consultant now for 18 years, doing executive coaching, executive team building, and so on, I could see that those were key principles that actually have been around but I had seen them in, like in the science lab where you took it to the extreme where you could see exactly what was happening. And that's kind of what I write and speak about a lot because I think that uh, although they're not that much different from the, everybody else's lessons about leadership, I do have stories that they probably haven't heard that are pretty interesting stories that make the point. There are, most of the stories are not about me. You see, I was a junior-ranking person usually and the youngest person in the camp at age 24 as a first lieutenant. But I was working for captains and majors and lieutenant colonels who were highly experienced, usually 6 to 10, 12 years older than me. And watching these experienced leaders, I just learned so much uh, about leadership and it's really stood me in good stead the rest of my life. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and, you know, hearing you talk about that, I was thinking, all right, well, leading honorably is, is not easy because it re does require a commitment and it's hard. But doing that when times are good is is easier. But where I think it becomes most important is is leading honorably when you're in a difficult circumstance. And and our, when times are trying, it's easy to, to, to fall back into that leading by fear and intimidation and self-preservation, right? I mean, that's, that's when this really matters, when times are tight and times are rough. Yeah, but, you know, things get tough in the simplest way, but in a very important way, when we make a mistake. Mm. I'll give you an example. I made a mistake in my scheduling. I had it down for a 6.30 doctor's appointment for a procedure. And 6.30 doesn't show up on my daily Outlook calendar. It only shows from 8 to 5. Now, you can scroll up and see 6.30. But when I put it on my phone in the doctor's office, it actually I should have put it down three hours. Well, I didn't, so it didn't show up on my schedule. In the meantime, I booked another important meeting at 7.30 in the morning for the same day. 
well, there's no way I can do both. So, and I knew that resources would be committed to that doctor's appointment. So, when I called them to confess my mistake, I had to be decide exactly how to explain myself. And so I decided the best thing to do was just to tell the truth and not try to make up, you know, a little story about, you know, there are a lot of ways I could have made it look like I wasn't so bad. But the reality was I made a mistake and I owned it up. And a lot of times people make a mistake. And we see this in politics. We see it in business. They make a mistake. And instead of just saying, hey, I made a mistake, I'm sorry, I, I messed up, they start covering up. No, I didn't do that problem. I was me. That was somebody else. They look around for somebody else, you know. And eventually, they may even become a victim. You know, they were trying to take advantage of me. So just in the small things day to day, we have to be willing and strong enough in our courage, strong enough in our belief in ourselves and who we are that we can just move forward and do the next right thing. And when we do that, it's amazing how things just kind of fall in place. And then every now and then, we probably are going to suffer some consequences. In my case, they said, no problem, we'll reschedule. And so now my other important meeting, I'll be there for that one. But sometimes there are consequences, and we have to be willing to just accept the consequences that, you know, things didn't work out, and it's our fault, and we're going to have to pay the price and move on. And a lot of people do not want to pay the price. They don't want any consequences when they mess up and when they use bad judgment or when they intentionally try to take advantage of somebody. Well, most of the time, the consequences are never as bad as we think. But, exactly. But, but how did we get into a situation? How have we built a culture, Lee, where we're so afraid of admitting a mistake? Because there's plenty of people out there who talk about the idea of when you are transparent, when you're authentic and you say, I made mm -hmm. a mistake— that actually strengthens your credentials as a trusted leader, right? Why, why are we still so afraid of admitting something like that? It's built into our DNA. Yeah. You go back to the oldest story in history, Adam and Eve. When Eve ate the apple, she told it, was, it wasn't her fault. It was the snake's fault. And when they asked Adam about it, it wasn't his fault. It was that woman's fault. So it's actually, I think it's just built in our DNA to want to look good and, and not to be accountable for our uh, mistakes. I just think it's part of who we are, right. human nature. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which is why this is so hard, because we're, we are humans. Most of us aren't bad people. We just, no. it's just built into us. And so it, it, that, that's what does require the commitment and the hard work and the discipline to to be an honorable leader. Speaking of DNA, one of the things you talk about in the book is your leadership behavior DNA discovery process. What's that uh -huh. all about? Yeah, it's an online assessment. It's, um, it's a, truly amazing. I've been involved in developing assessments for 26 years now. So worked with PhDs over the years in developing and validating assessments. But this leadership behavior DNA looks at eight factors of behavior from kind of your take charge to your people side, your fast pace or slow pace steadiness there, how you deal with harmony and, and conflict to your organization versus being spontaneous, how pioneering are you, how adventurous are you, and how creative are you. So uh, what we find out is that we're all over the map. You know, some of the people, my wife, who the person I care for the most in this world, she is opposite by two standard deviations on every one of those factors. So that explains why we sometimes see things very, very differently. <laughs> 
But the good thing is what I'm not seeing from my side of the bell curve, I'm on one side, she's on the other, and then in the next one, we may be vice versa. But she's seeing a perspective I'm not seeing that I need. So as a leader, first of all, lesson one is you have to understand yourself and be self-aware. So this leadership behavior DNA helps me understand myself. And then number two, you have to understand others and manage them differently. You better manage me with a two by four upside the head and get in my face and be very direct or it won't even it won't even register on my radar. With people like my wife, you just kind of give them the rule book and they'll follow it. And I'm not a rule breaker, but I may they may be too subtle for me. Right. <laughs> you see, so you have to manage people differently. And a lot of people are still kind of like boot camp. They're trying to manage everybody the same. And you that just doesn't work. Well, when you are faced with taking this assessment and someone says, oh, wait a minute, I'm not the CEO. I don't even lead a division. Heck, I don't even lead a team in my organization. So I I, I don't really need to be an honorable leader. But that's the wrong attitude, right? Oh, absolutely. Because everybody's leading somebody. Somebody's watching you. I don't care if you're the six-year-old on the playground. The other six-year-olds are watching and the five-year-olds are watching to see how you respond. And they're going to cue off you. Either they want to be like you or don't want to be like you. And I think that's true. You know, I've been very influenced all my life by people who are high quality, honorable people that are doing their best to do the right thing, whether it's a CPA or a bookkeeper. You know, it just it doesn't matter what, what level, whether it's the person who's a janitor, you know, a person who is honorably that you that you know that you can depend on that their word is good they keep their promises we actually developed an honor code a couple of years ago seven articles of of honor tell the truth even when it's difficult keep your promises be responsible be accountable show respect for others keep your values uh, whatever you believe your values are keep those values and pay attention to them and when you meet people that live that way you're attracted to them. Whatever level they are and whatever level of responsibility you have, they will be attracted to you when they see that you're that way. Yeah, no. Well said, well said. Now, speaking of six-year-olds, and I think there's a lot of six-year-olds in business based on my observation of, of several organizations. Let's talk about that younger generation. And it goes back to what I was saying at the top of the show where I worry that that – like the millennial generation, the biggest disaster most of them have faced is when the internet goes down, and, mm-hmm. and they've never faced anything like Colonel Lee Ellis had had to face in your service. I mean, any advice you can share to members of the younger generation on, uh, and how they can be an honorable leader? Yes, unfortunately, my my belief is they have not had the same level of responsibility at an earlier age that my generation and other generations, earlier generations have had, where we had to help the family provide and we had responsibilities. I grew up on the farm, you know, uh, I fed the animals, I got the wood in, all the, you know, a lot of chores that there was nobody else to do them if I didn't. So I had those responsibilities. I think responsibility is how we learn. It's we make mistakes. The more we make mistakes, the better prepared we are to lead and to make decisions in the future. We learn by making mistakes. So I'd say don't be afraid to make mistakes. Make them put your heart into your work. When you make a mistake, do your best. When you make a mistake, just say, wow, I really learned something out of that. And then don't forget it and use it next time. And that is probably the best way for any generation to grow. It's what we've always done. It's just that the fact that the younger generation right now, they've been hovered over and mothered over so much that they have not had as many opportunities to fail 
as uh, my generation did. Mm. Yep, well said. One of the other things you talk about, and I think is included in the book as well, is the seven steps to become the best leader you can be. Can you give us a, a quick taste of what that uh, what encompasses that? Well, we have what I call this whole idea of the C's that go with being uh, courageous accountability and, and starts with character, courage, and commitment. You know, you got to work on those yourself. And one thing I thought about a minute ago I wanted to mention is this is so hard that nobody gets it right all the time. So you got to be real and say, I am going to make mistakes. There'll be times when I am going to do things that are not honorable. But I want to recognize them and quickly correct back the course. Speaking of Bill George earlier, you and I were, you know, the true north idea. You know, get back focused on true north where your compass is aligned in the right direction and get back on course. So character, courage, and commitment, that's where it starts with you. When you're doing those to the best of your ability, then you have earned the right to hold people accountable and to lead others in a way that uh, they really want to be led. And then it starts with clarify. You've really got to clarify what needs to be done, what's expected, what are the mission, vision, values, what are the ethics of our profession, and what specifically is expected of you in the role that you, you the other person's in right now. And then we go to connect. Connect based on that person's unique DNA. How are they different from you or like you? And what works best for them? What are their talents that you can actually use? And then connect with their heart. Now, this is a biggie. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a new blog, and I do a five-minute uh, video coaching, free video coaching every month. And next month, it's going to be connect with the heart. The one thing that is the most powerful for a leader is to connect with the heart of the individual. And that means demonstrating to the person that they're valued, they're important, that you care about them. You do that by listening by giving positive feedback and just by generally believing in them as a person. That's very powerful. So we've clarified, we've connected with the person, now we need to collaborate with them. And collaboration is about a dialogue ongoing where you're involved with the person. At times you may be working almost like an equal with them if you're the leader. At other times you may have to step back up and be more directive but in coaching or training. But then you're back collaborating, you're listening, you're working as a team, and you're moving fluidly from being a teammate to being the leader back and forth to guide that person to be successful. Now, it takes a good bit of determination and skill and commitment to do that, but when you collaborate like that, you really are going to get, most people are going to be successful 90% of the time. And when they're not, you're able to help them along the way. If they're not successful, then you're going to be able to confront them. And then the, the last step, so we've clarified, we've connected, we've collaborated. And the last step is to close it out with either celebration. We did a great job. We got great outcomes. Now we're going to have a little celebration, small celebration or big celebration, depending on whether it's an individual or group. And then if there's not success, then we're going to confront with uh, some pretty significant consequences because you as a leader, you've done your part to help this person succeed. If it didn't work out, then either they're in the wrong job or they got a bad attitude or they got bad behaviors or they got a bad work ethic, any of which you as a leader must address. 
And this process never ends, right? Even today, after all these years, Colonel Lee Ellis, Air Force retired, still has to think on this and, and be disciplined about being an honorable leader, right? Oh, it is. And you know what? I fall short all the time. <laughs> I'm very honest about myself. You know, I mean, I'm doing a good job, but my people know that I'm not perfect. And if I make a mistake, I'd say, hey, look, this is this is my bad here. You did the right thing. I just, I didn't clarify this like I should have. I assumed that you knew what I knew. So, you know, I didn't communicate sufficiently. Yeah. All right. Well, Lee, I hate to say it, running low on time has been a stellar conversation. Before I let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they contact you? Where can they learn more about leadership freedom? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Engage with Honor, plus your other books? Okay. Engagewithhonor.com is a good place, or leadingwithhonor.com, which is my first book. Both of those end up at the same place on our website. The book will be available nationally September the 7th on all your major outlets like Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, all those, and should be in bookstores, but for sure it will be on the online bookstores, the new book. And then Leading with Honor, my previous book, is out there now. So the two go together. They're both similar and they both have POW stories. They both have a foot stomper at the end of every chapter, which is a two or three line summary of the chapter, the highlight of it. And they both have coaching questions. So it's almost like I'm there to coach you through each one of these lessons in those books. So Outstanding. Colonel Lee Ellis, United States Air Force retired author, speaker, and the founder and president of Leadership Freedom. Lee, it was great to have you. Thanks so much for stopping by, and thank you again for your service to our country. My pleasure, Todd. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Colonel Lee Ellis, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Radio. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.